0: ARCHIMAX LOGIN CONFIRMED!
1: Welcome to The Lodge. You've accessed...
2: The
3: LodgeCast Experience.
1: Warning! Warning! Dangerous
0: spoilers ahead. Enjoy! Hello to Matt's Movie Lodge. I am Don Chong. I want to send love and light to you all at this time. And now... By the power vested in me, I summon the LodgeCast.
2: The
3: LodgeCast is a little podcast where we watch weird movies so you
2: don't have to.
3: The LodgeCast, baby.
2: LodgeCast gonna smoke this. cast Listen, the Not care. We're gonna
3: watch some crap. Not care. And then the Lodge Master chats. With Luke and Bishki. Episode 94 Ah, oh, the Midnight Sky. Hello and welcome to another space-tastic edition of the LodgeCast. I'm your LodgeCast with me as always is Brother Bishki. And we got Brother Lucas.
1: Ground controlled to major
3: LodgeCasters. <laughs> Tonight we have a very special guest,
2: I, perhaps a Clooney expert. It's Brother Antony. Brother <laughs> Antony's back. Hey, hey, I am your resident in-house clune expert. So any questions you have, I am here. <laughs> I am like the, I'm like the new press secretary. So I um, love it. Nice. I'm happy to be here. No matter
3: how intimate the question, you'll know the answer immediately. I love to know that. The
2: more intimate, the better. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, Antony, you have a very special place in LodgeCast history in that you were on... The last episode before COVID hit. You were on the way back. You were on the episode where we saw the last film in a theater that we all fucking saw. And
2: it was that one. I don't know if that makes me lucky or if that makes me unlucky for you guys. Because uh, it certainly wasn't my intention for that to be the last uh, theatrical experience. So
3: we don't get to pick like... Like nobody gets to pick the way they die.
2: No.
1: I re-listened to that episode just for nostalgia factor. <laughs> and I couldn't believe that. A, of course I we showed up late, which is unheard of. <laughs> I thought <laughs> the seats, it's sold out. It's a discount Tuesday night. It's sold out. So someone stole Matt and Anthony's seats, and like mm-hmm. they had to go sit somewhere else even further in the front. Three, I fell asleep, and four, I was Classic. I was complaining about there there being a lack of goblins or ghosts in in the premise.
0: <laughs> that may have been the yard
2: house talking at that
1: point. Um, no, Anthony called it uh, from the Dark Knight to Bobby night, which I thought was <laughs> like we should have minted that. Oh, and, that was perfect. Yeah. And then and then uh, Ben Affleck's ladder, Affleck's ladder where the whole movies like in oh, his head man. before he dies in like a drunk driving accident.
3: Uh, so. Dear listener, if you haven't already stopped and tuned back into that chuckle fest that we're talking about, tonight we're writing some new history. We're deep into this pandemic. (laughs) We've all lost our minds. And what a perfect setup for this new entry into what we call the sad dadstra genre, which it's a catch-all term that we use to describe melancholy space movies like Ad Astra, The Martian, Gravity... Any movie where an Ocean's Eleven cast member leaves Earth and gets sad and broods around for a bit. This movie is called The Midnight Sky, and I mean, it's pandemic. It's pandemic viewing, for sure.
0: Oh, man. It's peak bleak (sighs) chic. Before we get into it, we got to talk about Clooney, right? I mean... Well, that's why I'm here.
3: Let's give a Clooney rundown, because Clooney not only stars in, but directed this piece, so we need to talk about Clooney the man, the performer, and Clooney the director. And I'm just going to go straight to Brother Antony and say, what's your analysis of this man's storied career?
2: Are we talking from a, uh, from a directorial standpoint or from just his in front of the camera uh, appearances? Yeah, both. A grand goulash of both. Again, I'm coming from a place of uh, love and, and light for uh, Mr. Clooney. So I <laughs> good, admittedly good. am going to be uh, biased. Um, an amazing career. I mean, if we could take it back to 1994 from his explosion onto uh, our living rooms with uh, ER. Um, yes. You know, <laughs> Thursday night, musty TV, 10 p.m.
3: Every mom was glued to the tube.
1: That was Michael Crichton and Steven Spielberg.
2: That's correct. That's yes. correct. That's correct. And he said, if I recall correctly, and I do, that if it didn't go to series, <laughs> that if nothing else, it was a great just two hour TV movie in which he got to work with Spielberg and Crichton coming off Jurassic Park one year after. So, yeah. in terms of the overall, uh, his career and, and, and how I view it, I think it's amazing. That being said, I, there are some, Hiccups along the way, and a lot of those hiccups, mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, are directly due to some of his directorial efforts. Um, He's just being
3: honest, folks. Um, He's just being honest.
2: So you're not a Leatherhead head? Look, I saw Leatherhead's opening night, as I did all his, <laughs> and I— You've his, seen every cloning? Every, every, single, <laughs> every single one, including Full Tilt Boogie, the documentary about the making up from Dust Tilt Ooh, on. Of course, no. of course. Deep cut, B-side. Um, I, I saw Thin Red Line opening night uh, and, 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 and waited three hours for his uh, end cameo, which resulted in about a minute 56 of screen time. Worth it? Uh, I thought it was worth it. My girlfriend at the time was uh, not so pleased. Um, no. so That movie caused a lot of breakups. It, re- it really TV. did, boy. So I had many. to see that
3: movie alone in a theater,
1: for the record. Yeah, that's a tough one to get people to go to.
2: Right, yeah. I
3: saw it at a cinema cafe with people ordering Sundays and shit.
2: That's really <laughs> the way you
3: want to experience that movie,
2: is just in a cafe <laughs> with Sundays. clanking around. Right, right. Yeah. As you hear Jim Caviezel's, uh poetry-like... <laughs> Uh, narration. Arguing
3: about the check in the foreground. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, so yeah, so I, I've been, I've been, uh, a a Stan, if you will, since, uh, since day one. Um, uh, and and if I know our our listeners can't see right now, but I'm currently wearing, uh, a George Clooney is a beautiful man t-shirt, which if if you, if you, uh, Google Bill Murray wearing this t-shirt, this is actually Bill Murray wore the shirt and ergo. I'm now wearing the shirt. Yeah, you are.
3: And you have an out-of-sight poster in sight behind you. I, I do indeed. <laughs> yes, I do four indeed.
2: bones,
0: four bones. Yeah, absolutely. And four a four-bone poster. <laughs> absolutely
2: four bones. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, truly. and you know, I I've been there for his Hulu productions, like Catch 22, and mm. um, I watched all the episodes. And uh now I'm here for his uh Netflix um experience. And I have a lot to say about that.
3: It's the Midnight Sky. He found his home at Netflix. And I have a question for all you guys. If George Clooney drops a movie on Netflix in the middle of a pandemic and no one seems to be talking about it, is
2: it still a prestige picture? It's not, unfortunately, as much as it kills me to say (laughs) that. It's not. Uh, And here's the worst part about it, personally. Mm. When... I had been waiting through this god-awful year of 2020 for this one beacon of hope waiting for me Yeah, called the Midnight Sky. As, you, know, <laughs> you were looking forward to it. It was the only thing I had left to hold on to after this god-awful <laughs> year that I, we've all experienced. It was your beacon. It really was. It was like my North Star. I'm like, if I can just make it to December 23rd, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be okay. I made it to December yeah. 23rd. And I wasn't really okay. Um, Yeah. So this one hurts, but I'm kind of used to the hurt of his directorial efforts. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm used to them.
3: Usually I get the feeling when I see a movie that he's directed where I'm like, why would you want to make this movie? Right. That's always like my my thought. Like, why would you want to devote so much energy into this? I mean, sometimes it's kind of cool. But to make a movie and to shepherd a movie like he always does, like he always is all in, I'm always baffled by the subject matter. Like, The Monuments Men? Oh, that— The Monuments Men? That
2: right there is, I think, the nadir of his directorial efforts by far. People like to say Suburbicon is. No, I would say Monuments Men is. See,
1: I saw his first two directorial efforts— and then skipped everything until Suburbicon, and when I saw Suburbicon, which was as 2017, I think I might have given it a woof because it was just such like mm. a, like a pointless, like mean spirited. Like I didn't know what the yeah like who the audience for it was or what the tone of it was supposed to be. And with the Midnight Sky, that was like one of the other first questions I asked was like, "What? Who's the audience for this movie? Like because right it." it Doesn't seem like it's for anybody except except it feels like it's for it's for like other actors like Brad Pitt, who's made *Sad Astr*,a or Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> it's other <sad laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like he's just showing, you know, all those other filmmakers we mentioned, like, "Hey, I can do it too." Yep. Like, this is my version of your, this is my revenant, it's or for something.
2: Them. Well, this would be his third movie in space if we're if we're talking about other *Sad Astra. Gravity, *Gravity*, and *Solaris*, yeah. which um, *Solaris*. Yeah, *Solaris*, which I saw in theaters with a different girlfriend, and uh, that relationship didn't end well either. So I think I'm le- <laughs> I think I'm learning a lot tonight actually.
3: I saw that in the theater with a girlfriend and my mom both of whom were meeting each other for the first time in the theater lobby. Not recommended for Solaris folks. But My theory is that Clooney and his BFF Brad Pitt they're attracted to sad dadster movies because although they're both almost 60 they've been in like a cinematic midlife crisis mode for like 20 years. And because they're both super mega rich, they don't do normal middle-class like midlife crisis shit like buy a Camaro. They can afford to like sit high on a perch above the fray, gazing at the stars, thinking about, you know, am I insignificant? Famous though I am. What does it all mean? And so instead of getting a Camaro, they make these vanity projects. Where they're just like ponderously bumming everybody out, sitting around in space, thinking about shit. Who is this for, if not just for them and their sad dadster buddies? You're correct, Lucas.
2: Not only who is it for, what is being said? Because I have no clue. And, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. Yeah, but same. Again. again, I, I, I got do a lot not to say know. About that.
1: I was turning it up and the volume wouldn't go up higher. And I was like, I need to hear <laughs> what they're talking about. Here's,
2: here's how much I don't know about what was being said. I watched yeah. this film when it came out, December 23rd, 2020. And that was not long ago. I watched it again for this episode because I... It just mm, went right through me. No, so professional. Not only that, it went right through me. I almost didn't remember anything that happened. Nothing <laughs> stayed with me. Nothing <laughs> stuck. Oh, so man. I watched it again. I'm thinking, maybe, I, and again, it just, there was nothing for me to hold on to on that initial experience. And then I thought, well, maybe if I wow. watch it again, something and no, it... uh
1: You got to see it with subtitles. And I, I feel as I get older, I need them. I need subtitles more and more just to really uh stay focused because I'm at home for, you know, going on a year now. Yeah. Um And there's a lot of distractions. But more than that, visually, grammatically, like the cinema language that Clooney is using as a director is kind of like, if you're not paying attention... The movie can just jump cut to a different storyline or to a different plot or something, and you don't know if it's really happening or is it a flashback? Like, you're, you're confused. Like, you're, you're disoriented. So, it's like, okay, wait a second. It's not intuitive yeah, as a viewer. It, it feels clunky. It feels like, wait a second, you're not giving me all the, the marbles to play with. Like, I'm I'm kind of in the dark here. So, instead of being... Uh, engaged or transported or whatever, uh, I'm I'm completely like turning to my partner, going like, "What the
0: fuck is is going on here?" Like, I'm not quite sure. Ishki, do you, did you have something to say? Seventy two million households tuned into this on Netflix. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh this is another one where I'm excited to just think about families gathering to interface with this strange film. You know, expecting. <laughs> Some sort of ghost of some sort of entertainment that they think they're going to be getting (laughs) and getting completely blindsided. I love that. Yeah. General plot coverage here, just so people know some sort of semblance of what's going on. We got Clooney. He's at this like outpost. He's on Earth, so he's not in outer space. But it's still Sad Dad's just certified because he may as well be on another planet because there's been an event that's made Earth uninhabitable (laughs) They've airlifted everybody off the planet that they can, and Clooney may be the last man on Earth. And right off the bat, this is what makes it fully sad Dadstra. We learn he has a terminal illness. Mm -hmm. So he's coughing the whole fucking time. Why not
1: be miserable and dying on top of everything else?
3: Filmmakers think, and all sorts of media makers think, these these ad wizards in Hollywood, think giving their main characters like an illness or some other impediment to their progress is like a simple easy way to like enrich their character it's not it's fucking annoying in any sort of action adventure movie you don't want to see your hero like crumpling over and coughing every five
2: minutes i actually don't mind that sometimes to be honest but uh, it wasn't as, you like it sometimes okay. it wasn't as effective in this uh in this film
3: I have a problem with it because I've I've been hurt before. There was this show a while back called The Following with Kevin Bacon. I don't know if you guys remember this. It's Kevin Bacon as a hard-charging detective going after this cult leader. But Kevin Bacon has a heart condition in it. So every episode, he'll be running through the woods. He'll almost get to the bad guy. And then, oh, oh, the heart condition. Oh, I can't quite get to him. And it's supposed to be like harrowing and scary. But no, I'm dude. groaning so they hard. Do it every episode, no, honestly, throughout
1: throughout the screening of the Midnight Sky, I was literally moaning and groaning. It was like, it was like, it was like, <laughs> no, like no, not the stowaway. It's like at a certain point, I was imagining George Clooney like pitching Netflix, and they're like, okay, Mr. Clooney, like, what's it about? And he's like, okay, you know the movie Aliens? And they're like, yeah. He's like. It's like that, but
3: without the aliens. It's the best part of Aliens (laughs) that everybody loves, Newt. (laughs) And we have new Newt, who this stowaway girl that starts oh. to
2: chip away at oh. his heart
0: of stone. She's mute. Oh. She's
3: mute. Oh. She's mute.
2: She's not new, she's mute. Oh, uh. new mute,
1: new. It's nuke. introducing whatever the actors, the actresses, the child actor's name of course. is, cause that's Clooney discovered Noah Jupe from Suburbicon. So he's like this star maker of yep. child actors, which is kind of weird.
3: <laughs> and new Newt kind of functions like Grogu, AKA baby Yoda. <laughs> She just kind of quietly wanders around this this abandoned base getting into shit she shouldn't and always has a weird look on her face that kind of suggests she has some sort of mystical powers or some shit. And it's this whole... Everything about this movie is just regurgitated chunks of other movies that have done the exact same shit just kind of mushed together and then microwaved to like congeal it and and the whole set and like art design or art direction
1: looks like ikea furniture and it took me a while to figure out that the reason why it looks like ikea is because it's probably like 3d printed because the movie takes place and like you know the not too distant, not too distant future, but it looked like like an IKEA commercial, and I was I was like, why does this look so shitty and flat and shallow
3: and just like I'm not I'm not on board. When I was trying to give love and light in my mind, I was like, oh well, the art direction is, uh, and then I got that <laughs> IKEA whiff, and I'm like, I can't in good <laughs> faith say that I love the art direction here.
2: If the film had just been about. Clooney and the child just them yes yes okay it would have yes. been fine yes. however been there thing. was another movie within this movie oh my which god a time, oh
3: my
1: god and let me let me just say the thing uh, i hated that i hated most about that other movie is the screens so it's like the whole movie it's like it's like everyone's like in Star Trek, the holodeck or something. They're all just staring at screens, just talking. Oh, yeah, the it's, it's like, oh, my God. Like, I know this is like accurate, I guess, because we look at our phones like, you know, anyway, 10 times a day. Like, yeah. But this for two hours or whatever, <laughs> like I was just like begging for mercy. I was like, please. like.
3: So just, just to give some lip service to this second plot, because we got to tie it all together eventually here. We cut to this second movie, this parallel film that's playing. (laughs) And it's this crew that's on this ship coming
0: back from. Exoplanet K-23, a moon off of Jupiter.
3: That's where they're coming back from. Because a young Clooney, which we'll get back to, but a young (laughs) Clooney discovered that this planet was inhabitable. And so they're on their way back from there to Earth. And so Clooney finds out that there's this ship headed back to Earth and it becomes his goal to contact them and tell them Earth's fucked, turn around or do something else. That's the plot. That's the plot. That At best, Clooney dies and the ship turns around and is bummed out and doesn't know where to go or what to do.
2: Now <laughs> the, You're the, not rooting for anything. The way you describe that plot that could be exciting. Like, okay, it's kind of a beat the clock. I got to get in contact with these people before they yeah. meet their end, possibly. There yeah. was no momentum at all in- Well, ch- Earth n- Earth's pre-fucked. No, it's already yeah. fucked. Right. So done. But there was never there was never an issue where I thought, oh my God, I hope he gets in contact with them because he's going to save all their no. there, But there was nothing. It never ramped up at all. It was like- we have people over here that are coming here and then we have a guy trying to stop them, but none of it at all cajoled. None of it all came together to like create this, you know, like, I, I hope they make it. It was just flat.
3: I couldn't care about this new crew because the story was al- already so DOA for me. I saw, what's his name, Kyle Chandler <laughs> playing the virtual reality monkey game. And I was like, I know I'm supposed to care about him, but I just couldn't drag myself across the threshold of giving half a fuck about any of these characters, yeah. and I was honestly cool with any or all of them dying. Yeah. And that's not a good place to be when you're watching a movie, you know? I'm like, what's Clooney doing? Like, they keep, whenever the movie threatens to get interesting, they cut away to the parallel movie, and you don't give a shit right, anymore. Right, right. It's so tough to stay on board a movie when that's how you're
2: feeling. And I don't mind a movie being slow, taking its time, you know, just exploring right. whatever it has to. But that does not excuse the boredom that I felt through this. Oh, and that's the worst critique I can give so, any movie.
3: Man, <clears throat> so boring, y'all! It is boring, and not
2: like not like it is smart boring. No. No, it's not poetically it's the boring. It's tedious
1: boring because it's things we've seen before. It's the same beats like from a hundred other movies like Take Your Pick. Yeah, we've been it's there. repeat
3: beats from a broken ass story, and then finally when and s- that's just boring. And finally,
1: when something does happen, and and by something, you know, like they they're in this arctic like hoth like conditions, you know, it's like snow <laughs> snow, this like yeah. ice uh, flow or glacier that they're on like is breaking apart, but it's like you know a done under the cover of darkness, so they're like cheating with the visual effects. So it doesn't even look that cool, right? It's just like confusing. Like you're like, what's happening? So you right. again, you're not you're, you're yeah. not really on the edge of your seat. And uh,
3: Yeah, you're not locked in. And
1: what does it matter? It's just like, all right, he's just somehow gonna survive it.
3: I do have to bring up the flashback to young Clooney. You got it.
2: <laughs> because Ooh, I can't wait.
3: It's oh. it's almost a salad dragon, but it's more <laughs> of a salad it's like a salad element. It's like a crouton. Crouton. Salad
2: crouton. I can't wait to talk about the actual salad dragon. By the way, I've been the actual salad dragon. Yeah, we'll I, I can't that. wait. I'm drooling for that.
3: Just a, a mere crouton, folks. We see a young Clooney played by Ethan Peck, Gregory Peck's grandson. We see him giving a speech about planets and this planet that they end up uh, visiting and exploring. And his voice was tripping me out. I was like, right. I was like, it sounds like Clooney's voice pitched up like 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 heightened they dubbed him like, they dubbed him they fucking dubbed
2: him well what they did uh being the yes. uh, being the in-house resident Kloon dog expert they combined both their voices so what you're Ugh. hearing is a combination. Which I say is bullshit. Oh, total bullshit. Oh, it took me right out of it.
1: It's
0: worse than de-aging, man. It is.
1: Do they not know how good deep fake technology is in 2020? Like, seriously, for real. Like, I I don't know anything about deep like, faking shit, but I could have deep faked a better, younger Clooney than just dubbing his voice or mixing it over another actor. That is crazy to me.
3: I feel like when they say that they're blending it with the actor's voice. That's like a power play around a mixing board with a band recording an album where, you know, there's technically two guitar parts, but somebody puts the other guitar part all the way down. You know, like, I think it's just straight up Chipmunk Clooney. I don't hear any other voice. It's all in there. Clooney I hear, yeah. I hear high-pitched Clooney, <laughs> and you cannot take it seriously. Oh, it takes weird. you right it's out of so it. It's so dumb. Right. It's so dumb. Yeah. Why did you do that? This is K23. Jupiter's previously
1: undiscovered moon, not quite an exoplanet. The moon's atmosphere is governed not by the sun, but by its own thermal volcanic activity.
3: Like we can't, we can't just <laughs> understand that this is the younger George Clooney. Oh God! Uh, yeah. It was bad. It
1: was a bold choice that Clooney must have fantasized about doing or something, and he was like, "We're doing it, man. It's gonna work." And you know, you like, could
2: do it, but should you do it? The answer, <laughs> <yeah>. I think. <laughs>
1: We all know. Oh, you almost got it. You know, I mean, look, I'm all forecasting younger actors to play this same character over different periods of time. But, like, don't botch it.
3: It's like Gemini Man, but with voices. (laughs) (laughs) And it's fucking weird. There's a scene where, which I referred to as Silent Curly Sue in space. Where <laughs> Clooney and New Newt are playing with their
1: peas, oh, and like having oh, a little.
2: I have notes about this. This, uh, yeah, this. There, there were scenes that I was laughing at, that
1: but not inappropriate, not, not appropriately, like not
2: the right
3: laugh. You know that they Open wanted. Open that notebook Just in get me. right to it. He's, he's getting those notes out.
2: Um, <laughs> Steno pad. This right here is a shiny example of. <laughs> of his, and I hate to say it because I love you, but his fault as a filmmaker. I don't have an issue with him, his character trying to bond with this young uh, girl. That's sure. not the issue. Sure. The issue is how it was played out. It's what starts <laughs> off as like a very just kind of quiet scene, you know, set in the cafeteria. They're They're not talking, yep. they're having their dinner. All of a sudden, they are trying to connect by, like, flicking peas gently at each other. Fine. We're good. We're good. Mm-hmm. That's what? fine. That's still fine. That's still fine. Where it becomes not fine was the goddamn score. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. The score splash. crossed the line. It, that, it, I wrote offensive. I kept writing offensive when I was watching yeah. this. It was almost like a, a really bad John Williams score when he doesn't work with Spielberg, maybe Columbus. It, yes. it was... Yes, I could not believe my ears nor my eyes. Um, it, it
3: was. I imagine Clooney in the, in the edit bay, listening back to that, listening to that music paired with that imagery and giving a solemn nod. Like, yes, this is what I envisioned.
2: And that's what breaks and, my heart.
3: <laughs> that's what breaks my heart. <laughs> it's hard. It's a heartbreaking
2: nod. Uh, oh man. It is. I, yeah. I can't even describe the ire that I've experienced when watching that two times, no less.
3: I'm going to throw a little love and light at this. There's a part where a crew member on the ship interacts with a holographic cat. And that was my favorite part of the movie. (laughs) Well done. I liked watching her pet that holographic cat. That was cool. Did you guys watch sober? That's another question.
1: Oh, I was, I was, I I was, I was vaping uh, marijuana hard. The first time I was sober. Like a second time I was not.
0: Bishki. I just watched this. Like I, Finished up. Oh, no. oh man! You just,
3: you just parachuted in. So I'm oh. fresh. Midnight oh. Sky. Fresh,
0: fresh. Oh, fresh off the Arctic Circle here, and this I have to declare. It was very difficult to give my undivided attention to this. I have to declare <laughs> Netflix has delivered yet another laundry folding certified movie. <laughs> yes.
3: 110 percent when you do a oversized load you're gonna to want to put this one yeah. on. <laughs> yeah if you have tons of little elements that you need to fold together like socks you need to make into little balls and shit this is the movie yeah <laughs> oh my god and then you
2: can you can flick those balls like the peas in that one scene yeah
3: that's right you could flick them right along with newton the gang <sighs> oh when i realized an hour in that i was so so bored crushingly bored angrily bored Mm -hmm. i took out this vape that i saved for for these occasions emergency occasions it's cactus cooler flavored (laughs) and it's delicious and i i was so angry that i puffed it like too aggressively so i went i like went overboard and got inside my head a little bit And that's when I remembered the space baboons from Ed Astro.
0: Give us the space baboons.
3: It made me so happy. And when you get that happy, sometimes there's an equal and opposite reaction too. So then I looked at the movie I was actually watching and I'm like, (laughs) is Clooney going to deliver up anything along the lines of a space baboon scene? Is he going to provide anything like that? And I kind of got bummed out because I knew In the back of my mind, Clooney wasn't going to be like encountering a Yeti and like wrestling with it or anything like there wasn't going to be that moment. But like anything where people are just floating around on the outside of a spaceship, like repairing it or anything, you just have seen that so many times that for me, it's just like... It's like a video game cut scene and I'm like hitting X on an <laughs> invisible controller in front of me. That
2: scene in particular. It doesn't,
3: it doesn't skip.
2: Where they're going out to repair the satellite or, or whatever. Yeah, it should be like, oh wow, they're they're in space. They're actually you know, risking their lives. No, you're just watching two people just kind of float, just kind of float, <laughs> just kind of float until they get to their target. And now they're just kind of repairing yeah. it. Now they're just kind of repairing There's nothing at all driving it. It is just, again, and I hate to come back to this word
0: boring. But they do one thing to try to spice it up. True. Uh oh. The
2: the salad
0: dragon. A scene in a movie that is
3: so bizarre, baffling, or transcendent that it instantly justifies the price of admission. Or Reese Witherspoon's leafy transformation in A Wrinkle in Time. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so as a karaoke fanatic, all right, <laughs> there is one song yep. above all that I despise. Yep. The one song that you that if you request it and you sing it, I will leave the bar and just go outside and chill for a bit because I just can't hear it anymore. Yes. It's
2: up there with like Bohemian no Rhapsody and yeah, it, you're bo- the yep. one that I want.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, Bohemian God. Rhapsody, I can tolerate. It's very painful. Yeah. But Sweet Caroline, I can and people singing along to "Sweet Caroline," I can't deal with it anymore. I have a story no, about it. No, like I mean, I have many stories because it's it's for the newbies to karaoke. It's the most basic, worst thing you can request. Brother Bisky,
2: I am with yeah. you one hundred percent on this. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yes. when that when Clooney drops that song while they're fixing the space <sighs> spacecraft and they're, and they're singing along, and, and then the there's crew that one starts
3: singing along. And there's that one girl that's like,
0: I don't know this song, and I was like, oh. <sighs>
3: The big problem for me, and I also wrote down salad dragon exclamation mark, sweet Caroline in my notes. But my big problem with it, aside from just it, obviously it shouldn't be happening, (laughs) is (laughs) that the crew to me, like Clooney knows the words, but he doesn't know the music of like alien and like space camaraderie. Like the interaction between everybody seems very forced. And the chemistry is off.
2: I was uncomfortable. That's exactly what I wrote. I was uncomfortable. People trying to bond over while singing a song. And if it's not actually inherent or organic, no. it is the most uncomfortable force <laughs> feeling. And that's exactly yeah. what I felt from that.
3: The fact that everybody's super like happy during this song. like The last time I saw a tragic disaster this explicitly telegraphed, Gotti's son was riding his Hot Wheels down the (laughs) middle of the street. Like, you, there, there is no doubt in your mind that shit's about to go south when you see Kyle Chandler. Saying "Touching me," like oh. no, it's
2: it's it's over. Also, it, none of it is earned. I could understand somewhat if okay, you want to have uh, you know, you want to you want to showcase a scene where everyone's you know a family they've been on they've been together for over a year yeah. they want to let off some steam, but it's so unearned. None of it at all. Yes. feels fresh or organic. It just feels so forced, and it's yeah. also. Sweet Caroline, it's such like a boomer song. Also, <laughs> like I mean, I'm it's, I'm, it's I'm, I'm lucky. Yeah, I, I guess I'm glad that they didn't pick like you know, the song from Hair, which I forget now. Um, Age of Aquarius, it could have been that. Age of Aquarius, it could have been that. Thank <laughs> God it wasn't that. But I'm sure that was like if they could, if they oh, couldn't get their from the rights to Neil Diamond, list. yeah, we're like, well, let's go to. Uh, that was on the short Let's <laughs> go to Hair. Let's see. What, you know, everyone knows that song. Um, it was just oh. so cringy. And, um,
3: yeah, God, and the disaster that does befall them. One of the characters gets her suit ruptured. I mean, I got to give it up. That's when I paid the most attention. There's zero gravity blood, which I liked, but the the sequence doesn't really connect with anything else in the movie. It could play just as well as like a short film by itself called like space emergency. Right. You know, like I wasn't engrossed because of the characters. I was just like. Oh, something is happening!
2: Absolutely, and that's exactly how yeah, I felt. I, I
1: thought there were only two things that happened in this entire movie. One of them being <laughs> when, like, the, yeah, the glacier <laughs> broke up, but the second thing being, yeah, the space emergency, and that was it. And they were like few and far between, you know. I mean, they re- yeah. really, really was. It was crazy.
3: After this character dies, sad dadster levels intensify exponentially. Everybody's moping around, gazing at holograms of those who have passed staring hauntingly into space at an earth that is no longer safe to return to. And Clooney finally gets to explain to the ship, he gets in contact with him, that he gets to explain that the earth is irrevocably fucked. And he has the line,
2: I'm afraid we didn't do a very good job of looking after the place while you were away.
3: (laughs) And you know what, guys? Like I, I had no clue that, Greta Thunberg did a round of punch-ups on this one, you know? <laughs> like, imagine the families that are sitting down to watch this and then Clooney utters that line. <laughs>
2: it's such a great trailer
3: line. Think of the dads that are going to get hot under the collar <laughs> start denying climate change when <laughs> they hear him say that. Like, I love thinking about that.
2: I mean, that's a, another thing about this movie um, was that tonally, it was all over the goddamn... Arctic map. I, I, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. What, I what mean,
3: genre is this? I mean,
2: er, yeah. I mean everything from the aforementioned, uh, P flicking scene to yep. then you know, <laughs> sounds
3: dirtier than it is.
2: Yeah. Can that be a new thing? P flicking, <laughs> the P flicking scene. Uh, it could be the, the new stupid- With Clooney and the kid. Right. Right. <laughs> um, you know, to the sweet Caroline uh, sequence being completely mm. unearned to just not knowing what the fuck it wants to say, because again, yeah. you keep switching back from his perspective to their perspectives. I, I'm like, okay, can we just focus on one? Is that possible?
3: During the space emergency and in the subsequent moping where Kyle Chandler gets his big, you know, sad dance, certified moment as he watches his wife say goodbye via video message. That's in all of these movies, by the right. way. <laughs> I forgot that Dog was even in this thing. I was like, oh, yeah, we got Dog and Newt back on the base." Like, right. I totally forgot. Here's a, he, I totally forgot.
2: I want to throw some love and light because I know I've been very uh, uh, salty. Do um, it. I, I thought Dog was great. I thought his performance was great. I really sure. loved his beard. He, had, I, I, yep. I liked he brought back the Caesar cut, which was, you know, <laughs> classic. <laughs> very classic. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Like, honestly, like, I thought... I will always go to bat for him, and when he's not good, I will. I will admit that as well. I thought he was good in this. I wanted to see a lot more of that, and not the crew of uh, that was that was hovering around K twenty three or, or K Pax or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> um, Clooney. Just when you think
3: he's played all his cards, he's got one more big twist oh. up his sleeve, and it involves a pregnant crew member named Sully, and. Well,
2: do you want to summon the salad dragon, Anthony? My first salad dragon, I would love to. I hereby summon the salad dragon. Double dragon.
3: So (laughs) now, do you want to have the honor of setting up this twist? Because I mean, we, we, we are going to blow this twist for anybody listening. Nobody needs to watch this movie, I mean, no. unless you're folding laundry. Yeah. Can
2: you really set up this twist? Uh, we're gonna, tr- <laughs> Do your we're gonna try, I'll tell you that. Um Okay. So I mean, we'll just get right to it. The child is essentially his Tyler Durden, uh, to bring him back to Sad Astra. Not even Tyler Durden, because Tyler Durden obviously represents, uh, you know, a recognition of the id, of the ego. This is not that. It's just a fucking figment of his imagination. But that figment is also connected to Sully, not played by Tom Hanks, played by Felicity Jones, (laughs) because as we found out, I'm already fucking lost, Uh, because as we found out in the flashbacks, with the hybrid clooney ethan peck character yes he had uh, out of wedlock fathered a child um <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong so far <laughs> no you're on, you're on it <laughs> oh good oh good you're doing great. i'm sweating uh he had he had fathered a child which he did not want and the yes. mother then said all right well i'm going to leave you to be isolated and you're never going to see your child blah 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 jesus christ i'm already boring myself so uh, we come to find out come to find out sully played by felicity jones is also this child that does not exist ergo felicity jones is the daughter of clooney's character yes and uh, and there's the twist they tullied sully. <laughs> That's what he did. Full circle, sad dad joke. Hey, <laughs> man, I need, I need a drink after that.
3: Hey, well done, Anthony. Thank that you. Was, thank I mean, you. that was
2: better than the Wikipedia. Job. Yeah. Thank you. I wrote the Wikipedia, <laughs> by the way. Uh, <laughs> so. I mean, oh. Clooney, bro.
3: What are you uh, doing? Uh, uh, well, is
0: probably like, in the what, book. It's based on a book. Yeah. Uh, it's based
2: on a book. Which, which was great, called Good Morning great. Midnight. Uh, and I mean, not that that means anything. Nothing means anything anymore in general. But this especially meant nothing to me.
3: Here's the only thing that really means anything. Rotten Tomatoes, critics, 50%. Now, audience, this is where you look if you suspect a movie has a stinky ending. Audience score, 26%. Correct. That's an angry audience. (laughs) That's when an audience has rejected the ending like a bad kidney, and they take to the internet to talk about it.
2: Not to mention an audience that more than likely saw this from the comfort of their own home. They didn't drive out to a theater. They didn't plunk (laughs) down money for Uh, a babysitter. They sat on their couch and were not even pleased with the, well, well, not free entertainment, but the entertainment that they consume on a daily basis.
3: Yes. And they probably had their phones out while watching it to say how angry they were before it was even over. I mean, when you go down to 26%, that means you needed to reconsider some things. And the way that it ends... The credits, the credits hit it's at so, such an odd, it's so moment.
1: abrupt. They just appear on screen, and you're like, "That's the ending."
2: One thing that Clooney, as a director, does, and he's even he's admitted to this many times over, is that he'll steal from other directors. That's fine. We, we sure. everyone that's there's no flaw in that. That's fine. Everyone does that. But <laughs> this end credit sequence was directly lifted from two of his previous films: the ending of Michael Clayton and the ending of The Descendants, okay. where you just let the camera roll and the scene continues on as the credits show up. And that's what he does. He just kind of picks and chooses what he wants from his previous directors that he's worked with. But if ever there
3: was not a time to employ that stylistic choice, right? it's here when the rest of the crew, every everybody's dead. Newt never existed. Right. And... We have our final two people, Sully and her baby's father, and they realize that they're the new Adam and Eve headed back to this planet to start over. And they just stare at their like controls in the control room, <laughs> and the credits just start. Right.
0: It, it, Kiss and fade out, man. Right.
3: Or like have like get in close and see that they both see the gravity of who they now are in their eyes. Or something. They just keep on like,
2: pushing buttons. They just move levers and push buttons, and it's that's it.
3: hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's, I never since the ending credits of Larry Crown.
2: Oh, have
3: I been more baffled by a closing credits sequence? I will
2: defend the Larry Crown moped uh, green screen sequence to my dying day. Julia waving hi mom to the camera. Love it.
3: Hi mom, hard fade out. <laughs> Larry Crown ending credits blows. Midnight Sky out of the water as far as quality and craftsmanship with its ending.
2: Larry Crown in general blows it out of the water.
1: (laughs) Man, I want to see a Larry Crown, Forrest Gump double feature. Somehow those seem connected.
3: (laughs) Yeah, but this this ending pleases uh, nobody. Like who? I can't, I couldn't come up with a composite (laughs) sketch and like mental profile of anyone that this would please. It's designed
2: for no one. It would make sense in the context of like, well, life goes on, the day continues, this is just how it is. But none of that, again, is ever established. It's not that type of movie. It is not the type of movie where, you know, it's just, you know, people going about their lives, doing what they do to to get by. It's not that. And again, I come back to the tone being complete, not even knowing what the tone is. And and again, this breaks my heart. This is coming from the stand himself. Oh, We
3: shouldn't extend this beat down too much longer. Let's go to them baffling Clooney Bones.
0: bones. All
3: right. Uh, Brother Bishke,
0: lay down everything you have upon us. I'm coming fresh, a little hot. Uh, hundred million dollar <laughs> Netflix dollars, hundred million dollars down the drain, and it doesn't even look like a hundred million. The same no. gravity, this ain't ad astra, like the CG doesn't this look is great. straight up like I- cin- IKEA hot dogs. Yeah, the cinematography is not great. <laughs> the midnight sigh is like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love it oh. i love it there's no tension here no character worth rescuing nothing driving the plot doesn't look great for how much it costs the score is lousy no good performances and the dialogue is embarrassing i was inclined to give this a bone just because mm. just because ad astra you know i had some love for it i have love for these space sure. movies. it's a, it's a <laughs> genre i enjoy but when that yeah. sweet caroline sing <laughs> broke out that Mm-mm. crushed my bone to the ground and uh, all those broken pieces have left a woof. Oh, wow. wow. Pressure. Man. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, oh, my I'm God. Not, I'm not going to attach Roger Ebert's name to this. This is a woof. <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. So the squid world ends. This is where the world ends. This is where the world ends. Not with a bang, but with Clooney's weepy whimper, <laughs> s- sad dadstra, I'm
3: out. Okay. <laughs> oh man, that's a whoop! I didn't Ooh. see that coming. And he just re-entered the atmosphere from watching this, so that shows coming you in hot. Just a taste, just a taste of the anger that this 26% <laughs> I'm with Trato's that audience. audience I'm score. so with that audience. Oh
2: Ooh. man. Ooh.
3: Let's go over to Lucas. I, I got a strategy here. Yeah, I
1: I feel for you, brother Bishki, because as I was watching this, like from the very beginning. And I was like, when, like even how they introduce the girl, it's like they're telegraphing it where it's like he sees like a bowl of cereal that he's like, wait a second, like that's not my <laughs> bowl of cereal, you know? And he like pours it into the bowl that he's eating. And I was like, I hope this isn't like a Fight Club Serenity thing where it's all a video game that someone's playing or something yeah. and then I was like oh wait this girl's gonna like make him want to live you know I thought it was gonna be one of those like he's gonna stop mm-hmm. you know wanting to die or whatever he'll take his pills with water <laughs> instead of bourbon or whatever um, <laughs> and I was like moaning and groaning like every time it would cut to like outer space I was just like oh yeah. like, everyone's watching I did that
3: too I yelled at there, it they're like
1: blurry minority report memories you know <laughs> it's like oh this is so not interesting like people watching people on a screen like this is fucked so yeah bishki i when i was watching it i felt like the woof emotion where i was like this movie is just uh oh, so pointless and like why why are we having the space version and then at the end
3: woof of emotion
1: yeah, you know, like oh this this is why we had the space portion of our program um <laughs> But, like, at the end of the day, like, I I can see, like, some kind of story there. And I think Brother Anthony hit the nail on the head where it's like, if this was just Clooney... You know, on this ice, you know, outpost, you know, having to, like, get the message out to try to just save the last people that could potentially be alive in the galaxy. Yeah. There's something noble in that, like, that it's an impossible task. And if you want to throw in a girl, fine. I don't think you need it. <laughs> but, like, fine. And, and if you do have it, like, don't make it a, a fucking twist, guys. Like, come on. Like, it's 2020. Yeah. Um, don't telly sully so i give it one and a half bones like i i i for, one and for, a half for, from for, for Clooney in the setting it's like ah like i the beard like i want wow. I, like the the joke was when when i was like watching it i was like man i kind of wish this was like a comedy and it was called santa's mechanic and like george Clooney was just like <laughs> yeah like he was just working on santa's sleigh and talking to rudolph after hours about how they hate their
3: jobs and like you know i don't know i'd watch that movie yeah <laughs> Santa's mechanic. I like Ellia. it. I like it. Another billion-dollar idea from LT. <laughs> That's one and a half bones from LT. A woof from Brother Bishki.
2: <sighs> Brother Anthony,
3: what are you going to do here?
2: Well, I'll tell you. You know, there seems to be a lot of kind of bad blood. I would love to be the peacemaker here, but yeah. one yeah. fine day I will be the American. Uh, <laughs> one fine... <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. This movie is not out of sight. In fact... More, more. I wish I had seen it on the Ides of March, uh, which would have been the 15th of March.
0: Go, go, Anthony, go! You're doing it! You're doing it!
2: Unfortunately... I have to say that the real money monster is Netflix because they took all our money. It was a perfect storm of uh, of confusion, of dismay. Oh. It's so bad that I'm feeling not well. I might need to go to the ER. I'm done. Um, oh, shit. He just jumped medium. I really did this brings me no joy, and it brings me no joy to say that, unfortunately, this, while not the worst, because I still contend that Monuments Men is by far his worst.
3: You hold a special place in your heart it for really the Monuments is. Men. It
2: really is. Monuments Men is, you know, bottom of the barrel. This, however, I will say, is probably, unfortunately, right above Monuments Men. Ooh. Um that's right. Suburbicon is higher. <laughs> um, wow. Wow. I know. I know. I know. I know. I feel wrong if I give it less than two bones. I feel wrong oh. if I give it two bones. Uh. And um, this is where the biases come in.
3: Um, this, you got to be careful. You got to do your own research. You got to check your facts. (laughs) I
2: mean, again, as the new press secretary, uh, (laughs) I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go one and a half bone.
3: That's correct, Anthony. Good. Done. Uh, I don't feel good about
2: that. I don't feel good about what I just said. No, you will. You will. Am I in the right side of history? Am I in the right side of history? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Am I being investigated?
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's below the amorph line, absolutely.
2: But I want to give the love and light, and uh, uh, I, I know. And just, and just, we, so, our, and know just so our
1: listeners are clear, one and a half bones means the movie is toying with respectability while still lurching in the gutter, often lacking standard cinematic devices like plot or performances.
3: <sighs> I mean, if you can take comfort in the Old Testament bone explanation that Lucas just gave, then by all means, take comfort.
2: I'll take comfort anywhere I can these days.
3: You are drifting. Toward the right side of history with that bone count, uh, two bones would we would have had to have words. I'm, I'm <laughs> no, <afraid>. two bones
1: <laughs> signifies that someone out there really, really likes this. This is perfectly delightful for them, and by that Rotten Tomatoes audience this. score, it's 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 not true. It's just
2: not true. No.
3: Nobody's gonna full-throatedly endorse this movie. I can't, can't,
2: just. I can't. You can't. And I say that as a a lover of of love and of light. We've
3: been there with you through this journey. The listeners know that this is very, you know, you're very thoughtful and that'll come through. Don't worry about that. One and a half is correct though. (laughs) For you, for me, I'm not going to belabor this any longer. We've been dragging this thing out and beating it mercilessly. So I'm going to say... I'll give a half bone for the space emergency intrigue with the zero gravity blood. And I'm gonna give a half bone to that holographic cat. <laughs> so I'm I'm going one bone, and that is generous <laughs> because I was angry at this film. I was mm-hmm. so bored. I can only give one rickety bone for sad dadster two lethargic Clooney Lou. That's that's all I can do. So I think we've come to the right collection, folks. We've we've got Wolf all the way to one and a half bones. We don't dare go over. And I am really curious to see if anybody out there that's listening, that that watches this film or has seen it, let us know if you are a super fan of this movie and if if, if you exist, you are you will be the golden unicorn. We want to study you. We want to prod you. We want to understand what makes you tick. So please come out of the woodwork and let us
2: know. We want to flick peas at you.
3: We want to flick peas at your face. But, you know, deep down, I know. Just like I knew there weren't going to be any space baboons. I know that person doesn't exist. So, But we can put the signal out into the midnight sky. And anybody listening, if you hear our beacon, let us
2: know. And there was never even, uh, uh, I was hoping at the bare minimum to hear Midnight Sky play over the end credits by Miley Cyrus. That would have been at no. least worth my time and effort.
3: Yeah, or if they, you know, karaoke did that instead of <laughs> Sweet Caroline. <laughs> That's but what it should have been. I don't know if Miley Cyrus is on Clo- Clooney's radar yet.
2: <laughs> well, well, she is because, as Brother Lucas will tell you, uh, I was his guest to the uh, AFI Clooney uh, Awards m- uh, show, Life- lifetime
1: achievement. It was the thank AFI li- lifetime achievement Awards. And yeah. Miley
2: Cyrus was there performing with her version of the Soggy Bottom Boys. Uh, I am a man of constant sorrow. Wow! So, brother Lucas, that was a night to remember. Oh uh, man, thank you for what that. a night, man! We the drank before, so much the before, that before night.
3: times, man. The before times, it really was. You guys have been deep into the Clooney verse. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I respect that. Yeah it was great well, it was good times brother Anthony. thanks for another triumphant return to the Lodgecast we love having you on we love your expertise we love your your constant striving for love and light in such a dark era so, so dark. we really
2: appreciate you coming well, on well it's, it's always a pleasure to be with you gentlemen I miss you guys and I love Thank seeing you, you guys miss you boys so yeah. much let's
3: get back in that
2: edge can't
1: wait can't wait to be back at AMC AMC baby mm. AMC
0: to the moon. AMC, to, AMC the moon. to the moon. Good night and good luck folks. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
1: Yeah, it been a long night. It's peak bleak chic.